Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Jen A. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I reside in Littleton, Colorado. Today is Thursday, December 2nd, 2021. It's 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And today we're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter called Working with Others. We're on page 102, and we're headed to that third paragraph, which begins with, Many of us keep liquor in our homes. We're going to read two paragraphs today, so go all the way to where it ends in anything about alcohol but one who hates it. And you can comment on both those paragraphs. So today's readers are Team Thursday for the month of December. Our 12 steps is Sema P. 12 traditions is Joni C. Our readers of the text are Martha Z, Larry G, and Susan S. H. The newcomer greeter is Vida S. And our second hour moderator today is Nancy P. The reference numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, December 1st, 2021, at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is 18,169. That's 18169. And for our 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Meeting, it was 18,170. 18170. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. So our sole purpose here is that the OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry this message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for you, big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating, sorry, compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sema P to read the 12, uh, Asima P to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Sima. Press star one to unmute. All right, Susan S.H., if you're there as a backup reader, could you read the 12 steps for us, please? Hi, Jen. I'm here. Oh, okay. Perfect. Thank you. Sorry about that. I was double muted. Hi, good morning, Vision. This is Seema P. from Rhode Island, and these are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 
eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Seema P. Up next, we have Joni C. with the 12 Traditions. Hi, this is Joni C. from Minnesota, gratefully recovered but not cured. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, prestige, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than a promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and have a great day. Well, thank you, Seema and Joni C. I appreciate you this morning. This is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. 
So to share, you'll press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're going to resume our study in the chapter Working with Others in the Big Book on page 102, third paragraph, reading two paragraphs and commenting on both. I will now ask Martha Z to begin reading. Good morning, Jen. Thank you for your loving service. This is Martha C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. Many of us keep liquor in our homes. We often need it to carry green recruits through a severe hangover. Some of us still serve it to our friends, provided they're not alcoholic. But some of us think we should not serve liquor to anyone. We never argue this question. We feel that each family, in the light of their own circumstances, ought to decide for themselves. We're careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution. Experience shows that such an attitude is not helpful to anyone. Every new alcoholic looks for this spirit among us and is immensely relieved when he finds we are not witch burners. A spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics whose lives could have been saved had it not been for such stupidity. We would not even do the cause of temperate drinking any good, for not one drinker in a thousand likes to be told anything about alcohol by one who hates it. And good morning, my friends in recovery. Um, um, I think it, it talks about how we shouldn't um, argue about whether we should serve it to our friends or not. And I think the most important thing there is it says it feels we feel each family in light of their own circumstances needs to decide for themselves so after i got into la in the late 70s i read this book and it talked about how if you and i i had my children in the early 80s but it talked about if you didn't if you didn't give it to them that they wouldn't develop a, a craving for it so when my children were young, we ate super healthfully. We didn't we didn't normally eat. We didn't I didn't buy cookies and candy. We ate very healthfully. And they were very healthy. And at times my older daughter would teach she'd open the refrigerator and she'd say there's nothing good in here. And, and as they got older, they they were much more grateful. They um you know, have pretty good eating habits now. They've never been overweight. Um but anyway, that's that's how we did it, you know. And we, I I just felt like, um, I don't know, I I guess I just wanted to give them a good chance. And I was very careful not not to eat like I ate when I was in my disease in front of them. So um, anyway, I so that that's kind of how we did it. Today it's just me and my husband. My husband likes salt and um, fat, which they're not my things. Um, so sugar and flour are my things. We don't have it in the house because I don't. Okay, here's the second thing. I also choose not to serve it to people who come in. And I do that because personally for myself, I feel like it's unhealthy, the, you know, the sugar and flour that I ate. And so I don't do that. I don't serve it to people that come. And, you know, especially during the holidays, it's kind of, it's people actually are <laughs> grateful 
not to have to be eating more of it. But I I do things like maybe have um, like um, pineapple, you know, pineapple or pomegranates or fresh pineapple, that kind of thing. Um, but anyway, I, I and I and I also feel like <laughs> I don't like to give out candy at Halloween either. So I think about other creative ways. That's just how we've always just I've always chosen to do it. But I also try not to show intolerance. My daughters also grew up, they went out for Halloween all the time. They were it was not like they could never have it ever. Um but but I chose to do it that way. And today I I don't bake because when I baked I ate it all myself. And so I don't I feel like I don't have to prove I feel like I don't have to prove to anyone how recovered I am because I can keep it in the house. Anyway, I know that's going to be unpopular, but that's just where I am. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Martha Z. We value everyone's experiences here today in the meeting. We ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So who would like to share on what was read today? Liz E. Janet B. I have Barbara. I have Liz. I have Janet. Loretta H. Loretta. Hope B. Hope B. Mary S. And Mary S. Thanks so much. That'll be great. All right, let's start with you ladies. I have Barbara E, Liz E, Janet B, Loretta H, Hope B, and Mary S. Go right ahead, Barbara. Good morning. Good morning, Jen, and thank you for your service. Happy December to everyone. Well, as a former fourth grade teacher, I know it's important for me to know the difference between a declarative sentence which gives a statement or suggestion and shows by example, something like it's been my experience that I'm feeling, if I'm feeling shaky, I don't keep any food that's too sexy in my home until I'm on firmer ground. But an imperative sentence would go like this, you must not keep your allergic food in your home under any circumstances or go out to a restaurant um, that's a demand, an order. And I'm an addict, and I believe we addicts don't like to, to be told what to do. So I don't point a finger in anyone's face with the command because I know for me I naturally want to do the opposite. But if it's suggested, well, this has been my experience and this is what happened to me, I'm much more liable to consider it and not turn away or say, this is a cult. Because as they say, we addicts are an undisciplined lot. So I say what we offer is based on our own experience and may not be right for everyone. So I'm careful not to show intolerance for other people's choices. That would be a mistake, I feel, and turn someone away who truly may may need our OA program. So we accept this program that's not for everyone, just for people like me who are desperate and have found that other ways don't work. I know I personally went to many different programs and always lost the weight, 
but I couldn't keep it off. I needed something more, but I didn't know what it was until I found a God I didn't know existed or cared about me who brought me through the doors of OA. And I heard about a three-legged stool and I heard people tell their stories and their experiences that were just like mine. So I knew I'd found a home and a refuge that I never thought was possible. So I thank all of you and all the other fellows I met in my travels for participating in my recovery. This 12-step program, the fellowship, the service, the calls, the prayers, the meditation has saved my life one day at a time. And if I'm lucky tomorrow, I'll wake up to live another day, grateful for another day of abstinence, recovery, fellowship, and service. Thank you again, everyone. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. I pass. Perfect timing. Thanks so much, Barbara E. Okay. Up next, I have, oh, thank you so much, Liz E. You shared the other day. She just texted me and gave up her spot. Appreciate your honesty there, Liz. Janet B., followed by Loretta H. So, Janet, are you able to share now? Yeah, hi, Jen. I'm here. Thanks so much. Hi. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, everyone. This is Janet B., Recovered Compulsive Eater in New Jersey. So I was reading this this morning, and, you know, of course, there's all this stuff about should we, shouldn't we. But the line that caught my eye was, we often need it, liquor, to carry green recruits through a severe hangover. Like, we're supposed to carry people who can't carry themselves. And, you know, I thought of in the do- in Dr. Bob's Nightmare, bottom of page 179. After Bill had worked a while with Dr. Bob, Dr. Bob went out and he got drunk. And Bill didn't just say, you know, you got drunk, Bob, like, I'm done with you. It says he came and he took him home and put him to bed. I mean, it's probably the smelly, gross reeking of alcohol. And Bill Wilson put Dr. Bob to bed. And it says he gave him a few drinks that night and a bottle of beer the next morning. But to me, giving him a few drinks isn't, isn't the point of it. It's how much he cared that he carried him, that he loved on him. And I think at the essence, that's what this program is about, that we love each other until the person's able to feel the love of God and love themselves. Because when we come around here, we don't feel worthy at all. We don't feel worthy of God's help. Thank God, worthiness is never a requirement to get God's help, only willingness is. And, you know, at the end of the first paragraph read, it says, or at the beginning of the second one, like, we're careful never to show intolerance or hatred um, of people who have different views than we do. And I think love is giving others the dignity to have their own opinions and the humility to say that my opinion may not be the right one. And then for me to take my time and to carry people until they're able to be carried by God. And with that, I pass. Well, thanks so much, Janet B. Up next, we have Loretta H. followed by Hope B. Good morning, Loretta. Good morning, Jen. Jen. (laughs) It's Loretta H. I recovered. I live in Raleigh. And everybody on this line who does service and is here this morning 
Thank you and my God for saving my life. Uh, this um, is contingent on my spiritual fitness. I should be able to go anywhere because today I'm free. And I was so fortunate. I, I always say this, OA taught me how to eat, ironically, even though I'm a compulsive overeater. And when I came into the program 20 years ago, I had a job that actually had to go to Europe and I could not carry my food because of security and also because of customs. So I really had to learn how to eat around other people and how to choose foods that would not hurt me. And I feel very fortunate because I can go anywhere today without using my drug of choice, which is food. But I, the spiritual fitness, in fact, I remember being on the airplane and um, having planned my meals, because I still plan my meals the night before and then go and text them and then use my food plan the next day. And I was um, on my jump seat um, with my big book. And um, this, we had supervisors on at that time, and, he's, and I had just eaten, and um, I met Big Book on my lap, and he, my eyes were closed, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm praying. And he looked at me, and he said, and why are you praying? And I said, because I just need to be here right now and pray. And he kind of excoriated me, because we're not supposed to close our eyes on the jump seat. But I went to any lengths to um, cover myself at that time, I did not have the awakening. I had a spiritual experience. The first day I came into the rooms and was willing to give somebody my food. And I felt that spiritual experience would carry me until I did the steps with using the tools that I had at the time. And one of the tools is my um, food plan. And I find that... Um, my spirituality is my abstinence. I know a lot that's controversial, but if I practice the principles in all my affairs and do the work, I can be safe, even on as it talks about on the green Iceland cap, because it, it's a spiritual malady. I don't have a food problem. And I'm so grateful that I had to come in and learn how to eat and go out into the world and be eat in public and because I couldn't do that in my disease. I was a, a thief, uh, a liar, everything. I never ate in front of anybody. And the grace of this program allows me to um, be of service and not use my food when I was serving it. And so with that, I pass and I'm just so grateful because OA did teach me how to eat. And Thank you all for saving my life. And with that, I pass. Oh, thank you, Loretta. All right, that was Loretta H. Up next, we have Hope B, followed by Mary S, and then we'll take another list of names. Good morning, Hope. Good morning. Um, I'm Hope B from Southern California. Um, and I want to thank everybody for their service on this line, and thank you for being invited to Vision for You uh, several months ago, and I'm so glad I'm here. Um, these two paragraphs really spoke to me. 
um, being um, my home group caused this period of how the holidays, the Bermuda Triangle, because we're just so into people eating at different holidays and, and just having difficulties. Um, and at one of my groups, we talked about Halloween. We were talking about Halloween and how um, each of us kind of did Halloween. And so this paragraph helped me to think about, you know, what that group said. You know, different people did different things. And one person brought out the thing that, isn't it strange that we are sitting here talking about the fact that um, we give out our drug of choice um, on a holiday, you know, alcoholics don't go and, you know, give alcohol, you know, to people, you know, but we're giving out our drug of choice to people, you know, isn't that strange? Um, and I, I thought about it and it's like, yes, it is, you know, because I even go to the point of getting Halloween candy and, and giving it out now, now that I can feel comfortable doing it. Um, at one point, I didn't feel comfortable doing it, so I didn't do it. You know, um, but now I feel comfortable doing it. Um, but I've gotten other um, ideas about it, and so I think some I'll be doing something different in the next couple of years, just because I don't know if I believe in the philosophy of giving children candy. Um, yeah, um, so I will probably be changing my my thinking on what I will be giving out as treats to children, but just to have um, our addictive issue, um, addictive ingredients here in the home or wherever we are, um, to me is, is a thing that each person has to have a personal opinion, um, a decision about or make a personal decision, whether to make cookies at Christmas time or whether or not to, is a choice that each of us has to make. Um, so having have, having to have giving each person the decision to make that decision is personal to them. There's things that I will not have in my house, but there's things that I will have in my house, um, like chocolates. Chocolates are my trigger foods, and I refuse to have a chocolate in my house. Um, but other things I can have in my house, but I my my addictive issue is basically sugar. So I try not to do a lot of sugars in my home. Thank you for letting me share, and you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you so much, Hopi. All right, and Mary S., you're going to share next. And can we just pause for a moment, uh, let people know where we're at. If they just joined us this morning on this big book meeting, we're in the chapter Working with Others. We're on page 102. We started with the third paragraph. It starts with many of us keep liquor in our home. Today we read two paragraphs, so it ends with anything about alcohol by one who hates it, and we shared on two paragraphs. Thanks, Mary, for that intermission break. <laughs> and you're up next. Go right ahead. Miss Mary S., press star one. Hi, I'm Mary S. I'm from Southeast Florida, compulsive overeater. I misunderstood the directions. I just wanted to claim my seat. This is my second time here. 
how do I mute myself again and pass? Oh, absolutely, Mary. So you're going to press star one, and then when this meeting ends, you can announce yourself as a newcomer. Stay on for announcements the second hour of the meeting, and if you're looking for a sponsor, that's at the end of the next hour. So welcome okay. to a vision for you. Glad you're here. Thank you. All Thank right. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for your service. Absolutely. Mm, my pleasure. Okay, so we're going to take a new lineup. We value everyone's experience, and so we ask that you do limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience also. Who would like to share this morning? Maria T. Heather E. H. Claire E. Maria T. And Heather. Tuli B. Claire. And Tuli B. Freya H. Was it Fran? Freya. Oh, sorry. Hi, Freya. I know that voice, and Freya H. And somebody else was in there. I I heard you, but I didn't catch your name. Sorry. We have a couple more spots. Anyone else? Liz T. Liz T. And somebody else in there. Sherry A. Sherry A. And then one more person I heard. We have more room. Libra. Could you spell that for me? Liba S. L-I-B-A. L-I-B-A. Thank you so much. Okay, let's try that. All right. If we're brief and brilliant and we get through this, everybody can share this morning. Maria, Heather, Claire, Tuli, Freya, Liz, Sherry, and Liba. All right, Maria, take us take us uh, on, would you? Thanks. Maria T, press star one. My name is Maria, um, Maria T from Norway, um, and thank you for the shares and thank you for the service uh, today. Um, really grateful to be able to have this opportunity to be able to share. Um, yeah, I'm just, you know, when I read these two paragraphs, it just reminds me, you know, I live in a home with other people and, you know, these people in my home eat certain things that I don't eat. And, um, you know, I've noticed that when I'm on fit spiritual ground, when I'm recovered, when I'm um, not um, in, when I'm not, when I'm abstinent and I'm working my program, like my my hair's on fire, these these things don't bother me at all. And, um, and I have absolutely no reason to not have them in the house. Um, uh, when I've relapsed a couple of times, you know, I realized, you know, um that you know when i'm not on fit spiritual ground when i'm not working my program when i'm not living in 10 11 and 12 when i'm not um you know handing my day over to god every day and when i'm not recovered you know these foods are playing games in my head you know they create um not that i'm not that i'm wanting to eat them but it just creates something inside of me it makes me feel it makes me feel even more restless, irritable, and discontent. Um, and that's not because of the food. That's because of what's going on inside of me that gives me that craving to want to eat these type of foods. And um, I'm just really, you know, grateful that I can um, be, you know, where I'm at today. And, you know, that um, the people around me are free to be who they want to be and that I don't have to be looking for ways to control them or what they do with their lives or where they're at in their, in their journey. 
So um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Maria T. from Norway. Up next, we have Heather, followed by Claire, and then Tuli B. Heather, if you'll give me the first initial of your last name and where you're calling from this morning, that'd be great. Heather E.H., calling from Texas. Go right ahead, my friend. Okay. Um, yeah, Heather E.H., calling from Texas, gratefully recovered uh, compulsive overeater. And thank you for all your service, Jen. And thank you for everybody who shared on the line. I really got a lot out of these two paragraphs. And um, in my home here, we keep a ton of sugar here because everybody but me um, eats it. And um, they eat all kinds. And I am just blessed by the grace of God to not have it trigger me. I mean, I've gotten that, I've gotten over that. God removed it. And um, so I don't mind giving sugar to other people, even though I don't give it to other people, because there's nobody around me that can't have it, because simply I don't, you know, I don't get in the way of them having it. But um, as far as being intolerant of other people, um, overeating around me um if i were trying to help somebody i would definitely not be intolerant of them overeating in front of me because that would be um against me truly helping them and being of service to them and um anyway if i were going to help somebody who needed this program i would just go out to them and talk to them rather than um, if they were eating in front of me, rather than making a, a big deal about what they were eating. And so with that, I'm going to pass and um, let the next person share. Thank you for letting me share. Absolutely. Thank you. Heather E.A. from Texas. Up next is Claire B. followed by Tuli B. Go ahead, Claire. Sorry, Claire Hi. E, right? Yes, Claire E. Thank you. I was just about to say that. Hi there. My name's Claire E. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from the UK, but currently in Florida. Um, and thank you for letting me share. Uh, there's lots in this paragraph. So um, I'm going to crack straight on the first paragraph. Um, I've got three teenage children. There is absolutely no chance in hell that my house is not going to be full of all sorts of uh, rubbish, whether I buy it or not. And, um, you know, I um, really echo what other people have said. You know, for me, I have the same attachment. And this is a miracle, you know, to that food as if it was a cushion or a chair. You know, I just have that neutrality. It's not my food. I don't really get involved with it. And, you know, they, they crack on with it. Um, and it sort of, it's it, funny enough, they even think that, you know, if, if you give that sort of food to me, it stays safe. You know, it's like, give that to mum and it won't get eaten. Um, so, you know, that's entirely 180 degree change from previous um, and also just sort of, you know, by, 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 I know that I have in the past, you know, given food this mystical power, you know, it's sort of, it's sitting in the cupboard talking to me. And, you know, it's, that was my story once, but, you know, actually, if the food is sitting in the cupboard talking to me, there's something really wrong with my spiritual condition. And it's now, I see that as a symptom that there's something wrong with me. You know, it's, 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 it's not got these magical powers. It is just food at the end of the day. Um, 
so yeah that's um you know our house is full of stuff especially at this time of year um, but i wanted to move on to the second paragraph because i think this is really important and um you know both within my family and for newcomers actually as well is that i have a re- relatively restricted diet and food plan because i have certain um things that i can't eat and i don't eat it's you know eating out sometimes quite tricky it means you know, i eat at certain times and um, certain foods I can't have which other people do and it means I say no to people at dinner parties and things like this and what I really love is that you know I can do that quietly I can stay in my own lane I can ask if I'm asked why it doesn't agree with me but I don't need to have opinions and you know sort of hatred and that terrible food and too much of it and, and sit there judging people eating it around me and neither do I need to do that with a newcomer you know frequently I found um that uh you know newcomers are quite scared of food plans and food plan changes and I don't need to foist my my food plan and my ideas about how I should eat onto other people um it's not helpful it scares people off and you know I really do believe that I had to uh, come to those conclusions for myself based on my own experience and my own step one um, and it's not it's just not helpful um, and even just an example my, my, my dad and my stepmother I'm saying with at the moment they're not compulsive eaters and they want to go out to this restaurant on Friday and as always I do I checked out the menu I said yeah that's, that looks good to me and, and I was, there was a very sarcastic comment well about well if you don't like it you can always slobber over what we're having and you know I just <laughs> just felt a it doesn't merit a response B, I don't slobber over what they're having. And C, I can just get on with doing my food in my own way that I know keeps me well and sane and I can let the rest of the world get on with their business. Um, I'm not a witch burner. I don't have intolerance. If I could eat sugar sensibly, I would. Um, I can't. And that's fine. I accept that today. And it's it, the benefit of that is that I get to be happy, joyous and free most of the time. I will pass with that. Thank you. Mm. Thanks so much, Claire. I'm giggling about slobbering over. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. All right, next up is Tuli B, followed by Freya H. Good morning, Tuli. Good morning, Jan. Thank you for your service. Hello, everyone. This is Tuli B, uh, recovered from foot addiction and compulsion today by the grace of God. Um, yeah, you know what? Um, how to be of maximum service to God. I'll tell you what, my Thanksgiving was full of food addicts. And when I'm making the the list, people are ordering things. Make sure you have this. Make sure you have that. Make sure. And you know what? Um, I have to be clear about step one for me, you know, and um, and clear about how my past. You know, whenever someone tried to control my eating or made it, even now, you know, when someone makes a comment about my food, I get touchy. You know, I don't like it. And, uh, and you know, it was like, how can I best serve you, God? You know, am I, am I here? You know, what's my motive? My motive was to, to make my family, you know, have a good time for Thanksgiving. I'm not the food police. You know, this is grace that I've been giving, you know, that I can be food neutral. To me, it's absolutely amazing, <laughs> amazing. You know that this is my second Thanksgiving, abstinent, and I'm just like, what is this? And and um, and you know, no one brought it up. Nobody said anything about my food, even though my family clearly needs my program. 
the way I look at it is, you know, I'm going to continue to recover. And they see my energy levels. They see my body changing. They see my serenity. You know, when, when they throw a hook, I just leave it alone. And I like what somebody said earlier is that if I am working with someone around my recovery and they specifically want to put the food down and they've asked me for help, I'm definitely going to be there. Absolutely. But other than that, you know, I'm not going to try to shove it down their their lives. It's just not going to be like that. And... Um, <clears throat> I don't know, I'm just, uh, right now, you know, I did learn some lessons over the Thanksgiving holiday about my own food addiction. There was um, a particular substance, you know, that everybody uses really, but I noticed that, oh my goodness, am I going to have to review my abstinence because this one particular thing, you know, that was awfully attractive to me. And so now I have to do the work of step one, you know, around this one particular substance, and I'm I'm good with it. I'm good to look at it and to give it to God and to change my abstinence so that I can continue to grow and be of service to God. You know, it's that attraction rather than promotion. Um, and God is running the show. And uh, anyway, um, thank you everybody for for you know helping me grow and for keeping me sane. I love you and wish you a good day. Thanks, Julie. Where are you calling from today? California. Early okay. riser. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks for rising up early. All right. Tuli B in California where it's still dark. And up next uh, to the uh, east of Tuli is Freya H. Good morning, Freya. Welcome. Good morning, Jen. This is Freya H., recovered compulsive eater, bulimic, and I'm in Colorado. It's still dark here, too, but so grateful to be with you guys. Uh, loving, love these paragraphs. They are just full of good, orderly direction. Just so practical, so, um, so down to earth, so much focused on service. And one of my major defects of character is intolerance and hatred, and just thinking that I know what's best for everybody, and if everybody would just do this. And I have a long history of having very intolerant attitudes about what other people are eating. Imagine that or how other people are living their lives. So for me, these paragraphs speak right to me and saying, you know, that, that it is not, if I'm feeling intolerant about um, food in general, you know, whether it's like the food industry and how evil they are and how they add salt and fat and sugar to everything, or, you know, what, what, you know, what people are serving their kids or, you know, I have young kids and, I can get very self-righteous about, you know, the, the, the things that people think it's okay to feed kids. And, um, and this is telling me that that is not within the spirit of this program. And if I'm experiencing, you know, intolerance and hatred, I get to do some work. I get to do some, um, some inventory on that. And I have, I've done inventory on the institution of drinking, the institution of eating. And it's really helped me to see my own, you know, what's coming up for me. So really looking at what are my motives. And in the first paragraph that we read today, I love that they, you know, they say very clearly, some of us serve it to our friends, but some of us don't, you know, we never argue and each family ought to decide for themselves. And I often will point, um, you know, we'll refer people to this paragraph when it comes to you know, what, what can you have in the house? And this is what 
this is what the book tells us. And this is all following, you know, the section where it talks about we have to be really clear and spiritually fit that we can be around this stuff. And um, when my kids were very first born, um, it was, you know, I, I, I had this illusion of perfection of like, well, I'm never going to feed them this. I'm never going to feed them that. And it just feels like, it actually feels like so much recovery that those walls of perfectionism have crumbled. And I found out that actually whether or not my children are compulsive eaters is not my business and, and I'll just do my best. And, and the most important thing I can do is to live my own recovery and be an example and be a source of, of hope and help for them. So um, just love it that I don't, I get to not, I don't have to have an opinion about what other people are eating. I know it works for me and having true food neutrality means that I am neutral about what other people are eating too. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, it's not a skull and crossbones to me. It's just neutral. So I think that's, I'll leave it at that. Thanks for the opportunity to share. Thanks, Brea. Thanks for getting up early. Good to have a Colorado sister on the line, Sarni. Up next, we have Liz T, followed by Sherry A, and then Leva S. We're going to have time. Yay. Thanks, everybody. Go ahead, Liz. Hi, good morning, everybody. Thanks for doing service. My name is Liz T. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Minnesota. And I remember, you know, the first time or a couple of times of reading this paragraph, I felt like, gosh, I can't really relate to this. But looking at it now today, I can relate because I see the last line there. Um, we never argue the last two lines. We never argue this question. We feel that each family in the light of their own circumstances ought to decide for themselves and just reminds me, you know, to stay in my own swim lane and not be, you know, over there judging other people, whatever works for other people, that's their business. And, um, so that was a helpful reminder to me also just that, you know, um, I too have young children and the stuff is around, you know, and it's my job to recover and live in the, in the promises and be neutral around the substances that I used to binge on. And when I'm living that way, I don't notice the stuff anymore. It's not calling to me. Um, and then they aren't under the pressure of, you know, oh, that's, that's, we can't have that around mommy, you know, that's going to bother mommy, you know, my kids can live their life and um, not be worrying about me. And so that's another source of freedom um, that the 12 steps and recovery has brought, brought for me, you know, they've been on this roller coaster with me all these years on a diet, off a diet, you can't bring it in the house. Okay, now bring it in, you know. Um, so part of my living amends to them is to be um, you know, be neutral, be, be not judgmental and critical of, of, of what they're doing. And I've just noticed my family, especially my kids getting in the teen years, they're more aware of their health and healthy eating. And, um, they often want to try what I'm making and they want, they want to eat more balanced. So, um, I just feel like leading by example, attraction rather than promotion, has been working in our home and I'm grateful for that. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Liz T from Minnesota. Up next is Sherry A, followed by Leva S. Good morning, Sherry. Good morning, everybody. Thanks so much for the opportunity to share. Um, I think uh, I wanted to share on this because um, like many other people have said, um, 
I like part of this disease is um, always comparing and um, my judgments about other people's foods or how they relate to eating um, is something that I just, uh, something that I use to separate myself from other people. And so like others have said, um, I have some living amends um, to do what I need to do, ask my higher power what's for me and then and then participate enthusiastically um, in the lives of my family. Um, and that means um, showing up um, and not just doing things that are comfortable for me because that's my default. Um, and so specifically I had to, uh, this came up when I realized that I was kind of cutting myself off socially. Um, and it was such a gift to see that um, I am able to participate in life and I like, and to just recognize that I was being pretty selfish and doing only what worked for me and not considering kind of like what other people um, around me um, would enjoy or would want to do. So I'm just super grateful um, because um, I do, I do feel protected and I do have neutrality and that's a miracle. And also just the miracle of uh, kind of like the inside work that my higher power is doing to make sure that I kind of enthusiastically show up and, and want to contribute to what other people enjoy. Because they don't have the same thing that I have. And they do have enjoyment and, um, in those things. And, um, and I don't need to be a wet blanket around that. Um, and I'm just really grateful to be able to participate in life. Um, and with that, um, thank you all so much. Um, and I'll pass. Thanks, Sherry A. from Chicago. Up next, we have Leba S. And then I think we'll have time for a couple more shares. Go ahead, Leba. Hi, um, thank you for your service. I'm Leba S. I'm in San Francisco, so it's still dark on this side of town, too. I just, uh, my higher power just woke me up this morning, and I thought I'd get on this meeting. It's been a while since I've been here. I'm Leba, and I'm enough today. And um, yeah, hearing this, uh, you know, we just all have to make the best decision for us. But I have to say that I have had um, resentment um, um, with sponsors and um, that they have just let me go <laughs> time and time again. And um, so, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's the intolerance, the intolerance of um, me doing the program the way that they think I should be doing it or or them thinking that I should be somewhere that I'm not. Um, and, and that has seemed to be, that has seemed to have been like my lifetime issue. You know, people always think you could be so much better and you're not, you're not doing your this, the, you know, and that and the other. And I just, you know, the, the sponsors that I have, um, I really leave them the hell alone. I give them my suggestions. Um, I listen to what they have to say. And I honestly realize that I am not the higher power. And to me, it doesn't do a service, you know, when people just let you go and all this and stuff. But at the same token, I also realize people have to do what's best for them, you know. And um, so, you know, these program is 
I love program. That's what I could say. I love I love these rooms. I've been coming to uh, OA, I think, for about 27 years now or so. And um, it has really changed my life. And what I've learned just more than anything is, you know, I can give people um, my experience, strength, and hope. And um, I can make suggestions. But at the end of the day, a person gets to do what they get to do with their life. I don't get to tell you what to do. You know, I, I just don't get to do that. So um, so anyway, that, that was a very valuable lesson for me to learn in my life, you know, that, um, you know, every everyone, the truth of the matter is that everyone's doing the very best that they can. And that's the truth. And if I hold on to that, with everything that I got, including myself, I'm always doing the very best that I can, then there's absolutely positively nothing wrong with me or anyone else. So anyway, I'm Leba, and I'm a uh, addict in San Francisco, and I'm enough today. Thank you for letting me share. Awesome. Thanks, Leba, for getting up early with us. All right. Uh, we have two minutes. Is there anyone who hasn't shared that would like a two-minute slot? This is Priscilla H. Priscilla, go right ahead. Thank you. Um, Well, grateful to be recovered, recovering, but never cured from a food addiction. What a great discussion this morning in the ways that that different people deal with, um, with the opinions of others and the pressure from others, be it spoken or just by example, whatever. I have found what works for me, and and this has only developed fairly recently, is that when somebody um, asks me, why why don't you have some of this? Uh, Why aren't you eating some of that? I just smile or maybe even laugh and say, because I like it too much. And the same is true for certain beverages, for alcoholic beverages. Why don't you have a little of this? Um, and sometimes they're asking because they really want to know, and sometimes they're asking because they want to push it on me. Um, that's not my business as to why they're asking it. But again, I say, because I like it too much. And if there's a silence or the other person really seems to be interested in knowing and understanding, then I might go on to talk a little bit about my my history with um, overdoing certain kinds of foods and certain kinds of beverages. And I, um, I, I never push. Um, I only tell my story with the thought that that might be... Um, useful to them someday. Um, I don't talk about how unhealthy this type of food or that type of food is. I don't talk about how this person or that person in my life uh, overused beverages. I, I don't do any of that. I just stick with because I like it too much with a little smile or a little laugh. And that works. I find that people say... Thank you. People will leave me alone after that about that substance. So thanks for letting me share. 
Thank you, Priscilla H., for taking this out. We heard 15 voices with one solution this morning out of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It was great to be with you. Thanks to all who shared today. Thanks to all who just showed up and were here with us. We need everyone to be here to recover. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour study immediately following the closing. Get your pen and paper out. Here's the share idea for today's meeting if you want to go back and listen or share it with a friend. For Thursday, December 2nd, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the share ID is 18,174. That's 18174. We'll now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Um, Up next is Larry G. He's gotten up early. Please read a vision for you, Larry. Go right ahead. Larry G, press star one. All right, we might have lost Larry this morning. Susan SH, are you there to back us up? I am here. I am here. Thank you. Susan SH, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.